When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Well, hello and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian and you're listening to episode 431 of Sustainable Minimalist. This is a show about intentional and eco-friendly minimalist living. On today's show, we're breaking down the intricacies of New York State's Digital Fair Repair Act, which just recently went into effect. And guess what? It is good news for all of us, New Yorkers, yes, of course, but also non-New Yorkers, too. Now, before we talk about the law, let's set the stage by chatting for a quick moment about your smartphone. Chances are real good you're listening to my voice on your smartphone right this moment. How old is your phone? Are you a frequent updater of your tech, or do you keep your phone, your laptop, your tablet for as long as humanly possible? Well, your smartphone's life begins in minds all around the world. And in these minds, Finite minerals are extracted. Those minerals then get transported to factories where they're refined, often using high temperatures, high temperatures, of course, being code for using significant energy. Then these minerals are turned into batteries, wires, logic boards, motors, and more, all of these parts of which will become your smartphone and other tech devices. These components, then they're transported again to even more factories. In these factories, they'll be assembled into the complete device. The complete device will be then sent to your go-to store and sold around the world. Now, this is just the before life of your cell phone, and the manufacturing process is indeed taxing on the planet. According to one study, 1.4 billion smartphones are forecasted to be shipped this year. And those 1.4 billion new smartphones, they will generate 146 million tons of planet warming emissions. These are big numbers. And now let's say the phone you're holding in your hand breaks. It's an iPhone. Let's just, for sake of argument, it's an iPhone. So you go to your local Apple store and the Apple repair person tells you, this is a really expensive problem. It's a hard fix. It's cheaper for you to just buy a new one. Let's upgrade. Manufacturers have historically made it really darn difficult to repair devices. They've made it so difficult that replacing the device often looks like an easier solution than fixing it. However, if we could more easily repair our devices, we wouldn't have to replace it as frequently, right? And if we're not replacing as frequently, we are doing our part to tackle our environmental problems. 
Enter the right to repair movement. It calls for laws to require device makers to release everything we need to have our tech fixed by independent shops or, if we're so inclined, fix our tech ourselves. And guess which state just had one such law go into effect? Yes, that's right, my friends. It is New York, baby. Here to help me break down the intricacies of the law and also tell us how those of us who don't live in New York are going to benefit is Nicholas de Leon. Nicholas is a senior reporter for Consumer Reports, and I have a lot of questions. Nicholas, thank you so much for coming on the show. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Why don't we start by you telling us the need to know details about this new law? Yeah, so this law has been a long time coming. Uh, New York Governor Kathy Hochul actually signed it last December, so December of 22. Uh, it goes into effect uh, about a week ago. Uh, and so basically the idea is that this this has to do with something called right to repair. Uh, and right to repair is basically the idea that you as a consumer should have the right to uh, take your device, your your electronics device, whether it's a laptop, a phone, a TV, you know, you name it, uh, and get it repaired at the repair shop of your choosing, which may may sound strange. Uh, but, you know, in the past, you know, consumers did not, first of all, they didn't have the right to do that. They were often uh, effectively forced to take their devices to back to the manufacturer or back to an authorized repair center. So if you drop your phone, if you if you spill coffee in your laptop uh, and you wanted to get it fixed, which that's a natural want to get it fixed, uh, you were often more or less required to take it back to the manufacturer or an authorized repair center. Uh, an authorized repair center is is just a repair shop that has a, a relationship uh, with the manufacturer. Uh, so so why is that? You know who cares? Why is that a big deal? Uh, a couple of reasons. One. Uh, either the manufacturer or authorized repair center, uh, they could charge more for repair. So if your screen broke, or again, you, you know, you spill coffee on your laptop or whatever, they may charge a certain amount that perhaps an independent repair store would charge less for. So it's, it's a money thing for sure. And it's also a time thing. Uh, you know, uh, repairs, authorized repair centers and official, you know, Apple stores and things like that. There's not an infinite number of them. Uh, there, there's a, uh, there's a limited number of them. For example, my father who lives in New York State. He lives in the Hudson Valley. The nearest Apple store is about an hour away. So if he drops his phone, you know, in the past, he was more or less, you know, on the hook to drive an hour to the Apple store to get it repaired. Now uh, he can take it to a local repair shop in his little town in the Hudson Valley uh, and get it repaired much faster, much more easy, you know, and, and potentially for, for less money. So it's, it's basically about empowering consumers and giving them the choice to repair their devices at somewhere other than the manufacturer or a manufacturer, you know, blessed uh, organization. As you're talking there, I am having flashbacks to the last time one of my beloved tech items broke. It was my laptop. I had a podcast episode to get out. I opened it up and there were pink squiggly lines all around the screen. I couldn't see anything. And so what do I do? I'm fortunate enough. First of all, I am fortunate to have an Apple store nearby. So I made an appointment. I got one for you know that afternoon. I was really lucky. And then I went in and they basically threw their hands up and said, you're out of warranty to fix this is going to be a lot more money than it's worth. You should just buy a new one. I have no idea if that's true or not, because I w didn't have the right to go to some other repair option. And so how, 
assuming I lived in New York and assuming this situation happened again, I opened my computer and it was broken. How will this law help New Yorkers? Well, let's say in that exact scenario, if Apple says, well, you know, this is going to cost way more than it's worth, you might as well get a new one. Okay, well, that's Apple's opinion. You know, if you go down the street to your local repair shop and he's like, well, actually, I could repair this. This is not going to cost you that much. I have have the skill. I have the parts. This will cost you X, uh, you know, and then it's up to you. So it gives you the choice. Before you were beholden to what Apple said, you could have walked out of the store with a broken laptop or you could have relented and paid, you know, probably thousands of dollars for a new laptop. So what this does is it opens up the universe of possibilities for consumers into making that choice and say, well, do I want a new laptop? Do I want a new phone? You know, if this, if they're telling me it's going to cost this amount, maybe I should just go ahead and buy a new one. Okay, fine. That's your opinion. But then you go down the street and this guy says, oh, heck, I could do that in an afternoon. It'll cost you way less than what they're telling you. Uh, and then you're like, oh, okay, well, that's, that's great. That little scenario would not have been possible uh, without the Digital Fair Repair Act. Hmm. I know that this is a bit of a stretch to make a comparison between a broken laptop and let's say a broken arm or, or some other health issue. But if you had a big health issue and your doctor said you need surgery tomorrow, you might want to get a second opinion. And prior to this Digital Fair Repair Act, people in New York did not have the option necessarily to get that second opinion. And by the way, why would I trust? I did trust Apple. I did buy a new computer, if anybody's wondering. But it's in Apple's best interest for me to buy a new computer. It's not in my best interest, and it's certainly not in the planet's best interest if we're going to talk about e-waste, which we'll get to in a minute. But a couple more clarifying questions on this law. Am I correct in understanding that it only covers laptops and tablets and cell phones. It does not cover, you know, a New Yorker's dishwasher or freezer. Why not? Yeah. Uh, the governor office hasn't said explicitly why it doesn't cover. Those are those are known as, as white goods in the industry, refrigerators, things like that. So they haven't given a specific reason. The only thing that I know is that the right to repair kind of as the movement has existed for the let's say decade or so, uh, there's, there has been a real focus on consumer electronics devices just because these are so plentiful. You know, everybody has a phone, uh, everybody has a laptop, uh, and these things break all the time. You know, your, your phone, you drop it in the parking lot, you spill coffee on your, on your laptop at the Starbucks. So there's like a lot of like, uh, potential, a lot of surface area there for these devices to break, uh, in ways that are, uh, that are annoying, but easily fixable. That's one of the things about the right to repair, uh, movement, you know, I, I've spoken to so many, uh, you know, people on all sides of this issue. And I remember years ago talking to the manufacturers, you know, lobbyists representing the manufacturers, and they were always trying to spread the, it, it's called FUD in the industry, fear, uncertainty, and doubt that, oh, you know, it's very complicated to fix a, a phone screen. You can't just let anybody repair it, which is like, I mean, okay, maybe not the average person on the street is going to fix a, a phone screen, but any trained technician, you know, this, this is, this is not brain surgery. This is swapping one screen for another. Uh, so it's not that hard. And so the idea that they were, they were trying to propagate this idea that like, oh, this is, this is way too complicated for even like, you know, even like a skilled repair man. It's like, that's ridiculous. These are devices like any other. There are parts, there are tools, there are schematics available for folks who have the skill uh, or just the time to sit there and learn how to do this, that it shouldn't be shrouded in mystery. Like, oh my, my God, my, my, my iPhone, the screen broke. What am I going to do? I guess I have to take it to Apple. It's like, well, no, it's just a screen. You get a new one and you put it in. This is not that complicated. So, mm-hmm. I'm glad you mentioned that because 
you're again bringing me back in time to the last time I dropped my phone. Shattered the screen. I was told you need to replace this. And I could still use the phone, right? But I was even told by the person I brought it into, I was told that bacterial will harbor in there and you really need to just get it fixed or get a new phone immediately. And I don't even remember what I ended up doing. But the point is that I didn't have the knowledge to refute that. They were like the expert. And here I am, just the consumer who needs a working phone. And so I'm wondering if this new law for New Yorkers, again, not for me, not for you, but if I wanted to fix my phone or my laptop, I don't because I have no skills. But if I did, does the law um, force, for lack of a better word, does the law force these tech companies to make self-repair programs readily available to people who have bought their products? What what the law actually does is it forces manufacturers to make repair parts, software tools, documentation, so schematics, things like that, all the the things you would need to repair a laptop or repair a phone, and make that available to kind of two parties: one, uh, everyday consumers, you know, you, me, anyone sh- uh, should be able to go to you know to Apple or Samsung and say. Uh, I, I want to repair my own phone. I want to repair my own laptop. We will not have the, we will not have access to those parts and documentation. Uh, you know, it's, it's not that we're these parts. It's not that the parts are free. It's not where we're demanding free screens or whatever, but it's being made available to us it, where, you know, in the past that was not available to us. That was only available to Apple itself and their authorized repair centers. So everyday consumers and independent repair shops. So if, you know, if I have, you know, Nicholas's repair shop on main street, I'm not affiliated with any manufacturer. I just repair, you know, anything that folks want to bring in. If I have the skill to, to repair it, uh, then I will repair it and I get the parts. I order it from the manufacturer. I get the schematics and all that stuff. It just opens up the ability for folks other than uh, the manufacturer or their official authorized dealers uh, to to engage in repair. So that's, that's specifically what the law does. Hmm. So this sounds to me like a lot of pros for consumers, more consumer rights, reduced harmful e-waste. Are there any cons though? In your view and in your reporting, the only con you're, you're right that there's, there's a lot of good here. There there is a lot of good here. This is a what, what we've kind of taken to accept this as this is a very good first step. You know, this is not necessarily the end of the line. Like I was saying, the right to repair movement has been around kind of in, in its present form for a little more than a decade. But this is not the end of the story. You know, everyone's not like popping champagne bottles. Hey, it's finished. We did it. This is a great first step. Obviously, New York is a big state. There are other states out there who have passed similar legislation, including probably most notably California. Uh, but it's not it's not finished yet. You know, we we would like to see the universe of devices covered by such legislation to include, you know, refrigerators to include, you know, th- there is actually some uncertainty as to whether it covers video game consoles or so like a PlayStation or Nintendo Switch. It is it's actually unclear whether or not this law covers that. So we want to see more devices covered in this law. And, you know, there's also the potential for, you know, okay, so there's a handful of states where this is in, in, in effect, you know, we can get into like whether or not this affects, you know, if you live in Texas, this is affect you type of thing. Uh, we would like to see more states pass, you know, more laws, maybe more comprehensive laws. Maybe we want to see national legislation, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of pros and cons to, to, to that, you know, maybe a national legislation will actually be less 
comprehensive than the New York state law. And in which case, of course, if it's national legislation, it would supersede the New York list. So it's like there's pros and cons there. But it, the idea is that we would like to see more done. We would like to, you know, have consumers have more power over their devices and be, and, and be able to get them repaired wherever they want. Uh, so yeah, it's not, it's not done where, you know, we're not resting on the it, It's, it's, you know, it's important to step back and recognize that this is, this is actually very good. This has been the product of, you know, not just folks like, you know, Consumer Reports has long been a supporter of right to repair, but it's not just us out there. There are other activist groups or other organizations. There are just everyday people. You know, I've been reporting on this topic for about a decade, give or take. Uh, and you just talk to everyday folks who just get upset with the idea that, you know, why don't I have the ability to repair? Like I bought this device. Why do I have to listen to where Apple says I have to get it repaired? Why do I have to listen to where Samsung was like, this is mine. You know, I, as, as a slight aside, I remember uh, being on a conversation with one of the the lobbyists back in the day saying, you know, if I, you know, if I buy a, a toaster, you know, let's say, and I want to smash it with a hammer. That's no one's business but me. It's like the toaster company doesn't get to say that like, well, no, you hit you. You're not. It's like, no, I bought it. It's mine. I'm sorry. Uh, if I bought this phone, I want to be able to take it to to Apple. I want to I want to be able to take it to Nicholas's repair shop. I want to be able. Uh, maybe there's, you know, it's up to me. It's my thing. Like that idea of ownership and the idea of saying like, no, this is mine. I bought it from you. But you don't have any further say so in how I handle this device. So there's a lot of folks who are who are very happy to see that this legislation is now on the books. Uh, but you know, at the same time, there are folks who are saying, you know, this, you know, again, the fight's not over. There's more that can be done, and you know, we will keep fighting. So, well, as this podcast's host, it's lovely for me for once <laughs> to report on some good news, and this is good news because. From my perspective and from my, the place where I sit, where my passion is environmental issues, this is a great start with regard to stepping back from our culture's susceptibility, perhaps, towards disposability. So, up, oh, something's broken. Let's just get rid of it and get a new one. This really can extend the life of our tech, our research abounds that keeping our phone or our tablet or our our laptop just one extra year is a profound way to reduce, again, the e-waste problem and, again, also reduce metals in the pre-production. And so you touched on it, Nicholas, and we're going to take our break. But after our break, I'm going to ask you whether Americans who do not live in New York have no plans to move to New York, whether these Americans, you and me, whether we'll, we'll see any benefit to this new law. So we'll get there after a quick sponsor break. So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items, and yet somehow we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch, 
They wear better than the cashmere sweaters that are double their price. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash sustainable podcast for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sustainable podcast to get free shipping and 365 day returns. One more time, quince.com slash sustainable podcast. Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet Home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. As the total destination for decor and furniture, Home Threads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven collection. They use many sustainable materials without compromising on style. And here's the best part. Home Threads always has the best value. It was time. After nine years of living in our home, it was time to replace our outdoor furniture. And my husband and I, we went to Home Threads. We have a Home Threads patio umbrella and a new bench. And oh my goodness, we are so in love. Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. And we're back. Today, I'm speaking with Nicholas DeLeon. He is a senior reporter over at Consumer Reports. He often covers issues surrounding laptops, wireless routers, tablets, and more. Phew, what topics, Nicholas? We're into that part of the show where I'm sure my listeners are on the edge of their seats. They want to know whether they will see any benefit from New York's new law, even though they don't live in New York. Yeah, no, that's a great question. And that was, that was honestly one of my questions when this bill was kind of making its way through the New York state legislatures. Like, is this going to affect, you know, what if I live in New Jersey? What if I live in Texas? Uh, and the answer is yes, probably in a real, you know, direct way. So basically what's going to happen is, you know, all, all the manufacturers, you know, Apple say, what's going to happen is they're going to set up websites where they're going to make available their, like we said, their parts, documentation, all, all the things that are needed to repair a phone, repair a laptop and so on. Uh, it would make no sense for them after having set up this entire infrastructure of, okay, now we got to get repair parts. We have to have some number of repair parts in the warehouse. We have to make these documentation, which will likely be PDFs available. We have to make all this stuff available. Why, after taking the trouble to make all of this stuff available, are they going to limit that to residents of New York State? That doesn't make any sense. Uh, so we do not anticipate, you know, if you live in Texas and you go to the Samsung repair website or the Apple repair, that there's going to be some big error message that says, oh, you live in Texas, we can't help you. That doesn't make any sense. You know, they are sell. you know, at least the repair parts, they are selling that to you. Uh, you know, we anticipate the, you know, the, the documentation, the PDF, we expect that to, to kind of just propagate freely over the internet anyway. So at the very least, there will be that kind of base level of education now spreading, you know, worldwide. It's like, oh, this is how you repair an iPhone. Oh, this is how you repair the Dell laptop. You know, you don't have to even live in the United States. I mean, the, the Dell laptop, whether you buy it in America or where you, whether you buy it in, you know, Italy, that's the same laptop. Uh, so now you will have, oh, okay, now I know how to fix it. You know, whether or not if you live in Italy, you know, the repair parts, that I, that I can't speak to, but at the very least, the, 
these this information will be readily available in a way that it wasn't. And you know, like I said, it it would be very surprising for these manufacturers to restrict access to to any of these parts to you know to literally only residents of New York State. Now, also being said, there are other states that are passing legislation, so it may even be you know illegally like California, I believe Minnesota, be Colorado, or have other all passed or in the process of passing similar bills that would that would require manufacturers to you know on paper make all this stuff available to residents of those states. But you know there was a similar. There was a similar bill for for automobiles. Uh, I want to say maybe 2012. You know, I, I believe Maine, uh, Massachusetts was a state that passed kind of a a Massachusetts automobile right to repair. Hey, you could take your you know take your Toyota to whatever. You don't have to go to the dealership to fix the car. You could take it to whatever mechanic you want. And the the auto manufacturers just said, look, there's it makes no sense to just make these parts and stuff only available to residents of Massachusetts. Uh, we're just going to open it up to everyone because why you know why why fight this at that point and also there's there are you know public relations considerations it's like well if i live in new york state okay great but what if i live in texas why are you why do you why do you hate the people of texas there's all those those reasons that get kind of like is this is this worth fight no it, at this point uh it's not worth the resistance doesn't make any sense so we do anticipate that you know everyone in all 50 states should benefit from this uh so it is it is not the case where well if you don't live in new york state you're you know you're out of luck uh we don't we don't think that's going to be the case great <laughs> uh you mentioned the the car issue there you made the analogy to you know your car is broken can you imagine if we you know owned a toyota and your car was broken and you could only get it fixed at a Toyota dealership. Is that the right analogy? Is yes. that similar? That, yeah. is, that is the analogy we use uh, all the time, actually, in, in our events and our articles and engagement with, with the community. Because, you know, a lot of, well, maybe if you live in New York City, you probably don't own a car, but a lot of people own a car and they're used to the idea of repairing it. Oh, the check engine light or whatever. The idea of having to go back to the dealership, either, either the one where you bought the car from or just a dealership is... Uh, that doesn't make any sense for us. Like, why can't I just take it to the the mechanic down the street? He fixes cars all the time. Uh, is he not qualified to do this? So it is a very comparable, uh, you know, situation where, hey, my laptop broke. Why would I be required? You know, if you want to take it to Samsung, if you want to take it to Apple, you're you're that 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 that, that hasn't changed. You can still take it to the Apple store if you, you know, if you just if you trust Apple more, or if you, you're, yeah, I don't want to deal. You know, that's. Good, you know that's great. Uh, all this does is it gives you the option to take it to someone else. Well, Nicholas, it all sounds good, but I must say I am somewhat of a cynical human being, and it seems to me that while having the right to repair is certainly a decent first step, it does seem like the e-waste problem, in particular, will persist because many of these tech items that we're talking about, the laptops, the phones, the tablets, uh, they're made to break. They have cheap parts inside that do indeed and are made to break shortly after the warranty. So it could almost be said, you could make the argument, I could make the argument that, you know, we're repairing cheap trash to begin with. (laughs) What am I missing here? This is is an area where consumers don't have sort of direct influence over this unfortunately you know we we are not 
able to tell Apple or Dell or Samsung to use these materials instead of those materials. Uh, you know, we're not saying, you know, we want these devices to last X number of years other than, you know, other than, Hey, if a device sells, that must mean consumers like it. Or if a device doesn't sell, that must mean consumers don't like it. We don't really have a lot of levers here to pull to sort of influence manufacturing. This is where we think that this does become a policy question. This is, okay, so we've got this right to repair law passed. That's great. And it has certain provisions to encourage repair and to make repair more broadly accessible. It may be a, a case where we need additional legislation, whether the state legislation or national legislation to encourage manufacturers to use safer materials, to use better materials, to use longer lasting materials, because you're right, a landfill filled with like, you know, a million broken laptops, that doesn't do anybody any favors, at least with repair, you know, maybe you're able to extend the life of that laptop, you know, a year or two. And the, the, the funny thing about like gadgets nowadays is that, you know, if you buy a phone today, that phone is certainly powerful enough. It's got a great camera, the whole nine yards. There's no reason why a consumer would necessarily be compelled to buy the new phone next year or even two years later. Hey, it's pretty good. I just spent a thousand dollars on this phone. I'm pretty much set for like a while. I'm going to use this until I can't. And there's no reason why that can't be many years. You know, oftentimes what will happen is the battery, you know, batteries have a finite number of charge cycles. Maybe the battery will go, okay, great. But the rest of the phone is fine. Maybe the phone dies in like, you know, three hours now. But you know what the solution there is? The solution is not to buy a new phone. It's just to get a new battery. Uh, and a new battery, you know, put it in, it's good as new. And if you're someone who, you know, use your phone, let's say for, you know, you text your spouse or you just listen to music. These are not very demanding activities that you need to buy the latest phone every autumn. So it's the, so yeah, to your point, this may be one of the situations where we may need additional legislation. We may need additional levers to sort of encourage manufacturers to, to be a little bit more thoughtful and to be a little bit more considerate about how they're actually constructing these devices. Well, you write in your article published on Consumer Reports, I will link to it in the show notes, that there is a real opportunity at this moment to get similar laws passed in other states. You mentioned in our conversation some other states that are going through the process of having a similar law passed as we speak. Can you just talk to me a little bit more about this opportunity? Where can listeners who are passionate about their right to repair join the movement? Tell me all of that. Yeah, no, there. It's a great question. There, there are there are plenty of ways to get involved. For you know, for starters, you could uh, you know follow and read publications like Consumer Reports, where we do a lot of report, a lot of original reporting here. You know, Consumer Reports also has an act uh, a policy wing where we are kind of involved in trying to you know talk to legislators. Be like, hey, this is this is important to consumers. Therefore, it's important to us. Therefore, it should be important to you as someone who ostensibly represents consumers uh, to to think more thoughtfully about this and tr to try to uh, come to a solution here. You know, there are other organizations, of course, beyond Consumer Reports. Uh, I Fix It is a big one. Kyle Weens at I'll Fix, uh, I Fix It, a friend of mine from many, many years ago. I would call him kind of the unofficial leader of this movement. He kind of kickstarted this thing more than a decade ago. So I Fix It is a great organization. Uh, and of course, you know, just, just get involved, you know, literally, you know, write a letter to your local congressman, write a letter to your governor. Uh, these people listen to... You know, they don't know what they don't know type of thing. So unless you let them know that this is important to you in ways that may be beneficial to their governorship or their stewardship of their office, uh, you know, 
this is important. This is a big deal. Uh, I think one of the things that I've noticed over my many, many years of covering technology is the idea that consumers are now way more aware of and way more passionate about the idea of sustainability, of the idea of these devices being you know, uh, that they'll last a while. You know, if you would asked me 10 years ago, uh, if, if anyone cared that their laptop was made of, you know, some percentage of recycled materials or some, no, no, no one that was not, a, that was not on people's radar. It is on people's radar now. Uh, so that is, that is a direct action of, of folks, uh, you know, such as, such as ourselves at Consumer Reports and other publications and activists to, to raise awareness of these devices. I keep going back in my mind, Nicholas, to your analogy of the, car that needs repairs. You can only go to the Toyota dealership and the Toyota representative says, oh, sorry, this problem is such a huge problem. We can't fix it or it's going to cost so much money. You should really just buy a new car. Oh, and by the way, look, you're already here in the showroom. Go check out what's new. We would not stand for that, would we? And so we shouldn't stand for it with our tech either. Well, Nicholas, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate your reporting on this issue, the New York Digital Fair Repair Act. Thank you again, Nicholas, and Happy New Year. Thank you very much. Happy New Year. Listeners, that's a wrap, my friends. I'm going to keep it short today and just say I'll see you Thursday. Reach out if you need me and take care.